Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gannon from Find the Ranch. Welcome to Beyond the Wrench. I am your host, Jay Gannon, and today we welcome Josh Garvey to the program. Josh is a service manager at Dan's Auto Center in Mineral Point, Wisconsin. If that sounds familiar, it's probably because I've referred to it about a million times in my content. It's my dad's shop. It's where I grew up and, and where I spent a lot of time growing up. Josh took over as a service manager a few years back and uh, after starting as a tech and has done a really good job at growing the business. Wanted to have him on today to talk about coronavirus. This is actually going to be probably our last uh, podcast on coronavirus for a while. I think uh, we're all getting a little bit sick of hearing about it, including me. We're, uh, we're going to dive into that uh, and just kind of see the impact that it's had on them and, and talk through maybe some strategies on, on how to uh, combat it. So, hi, Josh. How are you? Good, Jay. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've been... Uh, Wanting to have you on for a while, and I know you and I have talked about this. One of the funny things that I don't think I've ever told you offline is that there is a NASCAR driver that you remind me of. And <laughs> could, you, could you imagine who it is? Could, I don't know how familiar you are with NASCAR in general, but you remind me of one. I do not follow it enough to know. Okay, so uh, there is a, a NASCAR driver by the name of William Byron who took over Jeff Gordon's car and you're, uh, to me, a spitting image, although I just uh, I said something about comparing another person to another person that was on TV the other night, and my wife told me I was nuts. So I, I'm, it's, <laughs> I'm probably the only one that would think that, but in my mind, you remind me of uh, William Byron. <laughs> oh, I'll have to check it out when we're done here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so give us a little of your background. How did you get started in this business? How did you end up at Dan's Auto Center? And how have you put up with my dad for this long? Well, in high school, I um, bought a car that uh, transmission was out of and had no money and had to figure it out for myself. So that's kind of how I got into automotive. A couple friends of mine, uh, we actually ended up going to Southwest Tech in Fenimore, Wisconsin uh, for college and did a two-year program there. So on the second year of the program, started looking for a job, obviously, um, and I, at the time, wanted to be in the dealership setting. I had myself convinced on that, and I applied at, uh, I'd say, a half a dozen and had a bunch of interviews, but no higher. They all wanted experience, 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 yep. and the posting was out for Dan's Auto Center. I applied and came over and met your dad, Dan, and... Is, uh, that's history. <laughs> if, you, if you ask him, uh, the only reason he took me is because he felt sorry for me because nobody else wanted me. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like him in a nutshell, yes. <laughs> but uh, So I started in uh, 2010 as a technician, basically just having two years of schooling as my background and uh, just kind of came in with a good work ethic, work attitude, and wanted to learn and uh, I moved up the ranks pretty quickly. A service manager at the time ended up moving on to uh, a dealership setting. And um, so I'd say I, I only wrenched for probably five years total, four to five years, until um, I was in the office setting. And then I, uh, I seen the numbers then at that point and knew uh, where we were at and where I wanted to be at. So kind of started changing some things and, and growing. That's, that's pretty cool. You, you went from... I mean, your progression and just being able to kind of watch you from afar, 
has been really great. I mean, to go from basically not really being that familiar with the industry in high school to doing a transmission. Transmission was your first job. That's what, that's what you figured out with the help of friends. Yes. Okay. That's, that's pretty impressive. I, I definitely would have screwed that up. (laughs) (laughs) So So as you evolved into the shop, you ended up being a pretty darn good tech. I mean, you were an A level tech. How did you, I guess, prepare yourself to, to get into the shop and really kind of get your hands dirty as an inexperienced tech and, and really learn this business and learn how to diagnose and how to critically think through a problem? Was it just something that was a knack and you, you liked or was it something that you had to work at? That's a good question. I've actually pondered on this in the past, but it, it's kind of with anything that I do. I take everything extremely serious, sometimes too serious. And I know that sounds weird, but that's the truth. And I really just always wanted to try to be the best. So kind of went to every class possible, you know, nighttime classes, doing online training, learning from the technicians that were here, the, you know, just their experience with things and how to do certain things. The friends that I mentioned, you know, that in high school and stuff that I went to college with um, had a pretty good um, background before that as well. So we were always able to bounce ideas off of each other, just, you know, sending text messages and stuff like that to kind of uh, to help you out with a harder problem and I just kind of always continued to dig into it a little deeper um, and want to know why said part failed um, instead of just saying this is what it needs that's the difference between you and I and that's why you were a good tech and I was a bad tech was I I did (laughs) not uh, (laughs) I did not think that far through and was more just I wanted to get it fixed and get it out of my hair Uh, so I I was probably more of your throw parts at it and hope it works uh, type of tech where you actually did the critical thinking that good techs do. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I don't know, for some reason, I've probably seen the bigger picture right from the get-go, you know, knowing that uh, in the customer's eyes, if you then trying to tell them what it needs and sell them apart and then have it be wrong, uh, how bad it looks for everybody at the shop. Yeah. Um, You know, and even though I wasn't the, the face they were seeing or the one they were talking to on the phone at the time, I still didn't want to be part of that problem or that, you know, issue. So, so how, how old were you when you went in to, uh, to be the service manager then? That would have been probably 25. Which is, which is crazy. I mean, I, so yeah, I can empathize with that a little bit because I think as a, a younger person getting into management or getting into management at a young age, you kind of have that chip on your shoulder and you want to prove everybody wrong. But at the same time, there's probably still a lot of people that look at you like a kid (laughs) and it's, it's hard to get through that. And it, I think it takes more for a younger person getting into management to really kind of gain that respect level of both the customers, the employees and everybody. And I think you've done a really, really good job at that. It's not an easy job. I don't think unless you've been in those shoes and, and got into a management role at an early age that people necessarily understand the complexity that goes into that and the pressure that goes into that. Uh, did you, did you feel that pressure when you went up front? 100%. Yeah. 100%. And I think it, it comes down to how you uh, assert yourself with it and you don't want to show fear, I guess. Um, you know, kind of like the, the saying about like a dog can sense the fear, you know, a customer can sense that yep. a technician can sense that. So you got to be confident in yourself and what you're doing to be able to portray that 
in a fashion that, you know, that they can see. So, so when you, you were a tech, did you envision yourself going to the front or was it like, was it something that you wanted or aspired to do, or was it uh, more of like, Hey, they need somebody to fill that role. I need to go up there. What was your thinking that went through that? And then maybe kind of a weird question, but would you have ever minded staying out in the shop? Like, would you have, uh, have liked to continue on as a tech or what was the kind of writing on the wall that you always wanted to go be in management? Yeah. So I always seen myself going up. Uh, Cause like I mentioned earlier, always want to be the best. I'm being going from the bottom to the top. So that was always the vision. It never crossed my mind that would happen that fast. Uh, just, and the only reason that it did was just given the timing of the events um, with the, current service manager at the time leaving when he did so so I mean as far as wanting to I guess have more time in the shop yes I would have liked that um, it's very nice having the background and the knowledge to be able to explain things to a customer on why we're recommending this service yeah. why this should be done or what this part does because a lot of people customer wise even if they don't know um they still want to know if that makes sense um yeah. even if they're not going to understand it they still ask you know how or why so having that background and having a little bit more i think would have been even more helpful and current but stuff changes so much day to day technology on the vehicles is unreal yeah so it's something i'm still involved with it to an extent because um, we've since grown and instead of being on just my own in the office um, as far as service I actually have an advisor now who takes care of 99% of the customers and work order stuff now so I'm still in and out of the shop with the technicians uh, bouncing ideas off with them so so that's a that's a funny thing to bring up because I think when we talk about this in terms of you now have a service advisor there's probably a lot of shops out there that take that for granted but I recall a time when I sat down with you and, and we started looking at your time and, and you were yes. getting a little bit overwhelmed and kind of looking at it and saying, okay, why, why is this so stressful? Why am I just always at the max? I come in early, I stay late, I do everything I'm supposed to do. And when we sat down and went through the time that you needed to do everything that on a daily, like on every single day, do you remember how many hours it, it added up to when I had you put time to it? Uh, you can't quote me on it, but I want to say we were in like the 13 to 14 hours out of a eight hour workday. I, I actually think when we added everything together, it was more like 15 or 16 hours. Really? Yeah. yeah. So you <laughs> like looking at that and then kind of looking back and, and uh, I know you and I were talking to my dad about getting, you know, getting you some help down there and just getting you some relief. And, and I think that's been a, a really, really good transition for you guys as a shop to be able to bring, you know, a, a really, really good service advisor on and be, you know, I think it allows you to manage more. I know you work with a business coach and, and really try to drive the business forward. That allows you some of that working on the business rather than working in the business time, which is, is really, really hard to do when you're answering the phones a hundred times a day and talking to every customer and doing you know, allotting all the work to the techs in the shop. There's just, I was overwhelmed reading that list when I read it. And uh, I could, I'm like, imagine if you actually had to do it. Yeah. 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 No, a hundred percent. And I, I, my advisor, Seth, I, I give him credit, but not near enough because I've been there and he's basically almost doing everything that I used to um, on his own. I mean, he's very, very helpful. So 
that was the best thing that we've done. I, it's always scary bringing on another additional salary, of course. Um, yeah. But the quality of work that we were able to get out of that was uh, huge. It was well, the, hands down. So yeah, the customer experience is night and day. It, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Being able to actually dedicate the said time that we need with them. So yeah, I, that's a that's a big step for a small shop. I mean, that's that's a uh, that's a really really big step. So happy to hear that part is going well. Uh, the part that maybe isn't going as well is uh, this coronavirus scare and how how it's really stalled everything in the world and really brought everything to a standstill. Give me a feeling. How has it impacted the shop so far? Okay, so we're probably on I'd say week two of the worst of it. Uh, I would say for our area, anyways. The first week, the first few days, um, it was like somebody flipped a breaker switch. Like yeah. the phone didn't ring, no text messages coming in, no emails, uh, no Facebook messages, nothing. It was kind of scary. We uh, then used uh, our program that we have for texting and we kind of shot out a blast saying, hey, we're here. We're not closing. You know, we're here for you, whatever you need. Kind of just reassuring the customers that, you know, we are here and we're not closing the doors and that would, we had awesome feedback on that, and uh, we ended up filling up like the next week, uh, wow. week's worth of schedule off of that. And most of the people's responses were, "Oh, I wasn't even thinking about that." Let's <laughs> not what's on your mind because every you know radio station or news station you turn on is talking about coronavirus or COVID nineteen, yeah. and it's just one of them things you don't necessarily think about. So it's not that people aren't needing work done or you know, and that concept is just, there's literally not on their mind. Well, and one of the things I think you guys had done prior to this that really set you up to maybe not have as big of an impact was really how, how much you had done in pickup and delivery of vehicles even prior to this. Uh, I, I, you know, having all of the loaner vehicles that you have, I think one of the thing that the shop in general, Dan's Auto Center has done really, really good at is going and doing that extra thing, right? That extra, going that extra mile where uh, you guys were doing pickup and delivery uh, even before this happened. And yeah. and yeah, the, having the loaner cars available so that if somebody needs to go to work that you do it. And uh, simple things like a key drop box, you know, which I think most shops probably have now, but back when I was growing up, that wasn't that common. Um, right. and, and so have you noticed a different way of doing business there or has it, has it just kind of been more of the usual in terms of pickup and delivery and, and how you've interacted with customers? It's, it's pretty much business as usual. So we, on an average day, we have, uh, we have five cars allotted for pickups, uh, around town and then we have five loaner cars. Um, and I'd say on average, we do five pickups a day and probably have three or four loaners out. We try not to schedule that fifth one for that emergency type of situation. So I'd say now the loaner cars have dropped a little bit because people don't necessarily need them because they're not going to work. Yeah. Um, and the pickups drop off have went up, which is totally fine. Um, so we're just able to use our loaner cars for that. So it's been working out just fine. Do you, so do you see that maybe picking up even after we get out of this, like the pickup and delivery side where maybe people didn't know that was an option before, or was it pretty clear to them that they had that option that you could pick it up and deliver it? Yeah. So our, uh, like, uh, work order process, when we uh, take the appointment, uh, we ask at that point. So I would say 95% of our customers are aware of that service because we're pretty heavily on that. That's what we prefer. 
having somebody sitting here waiting is fine, but it's difficult for everybody involved. I mean, the customer is kind of an inconvenience. They're sitting here doing nothing, and, and then the technicians feel rushed, and you don't want to rush through a vehicle and no. possibly miss something that's going to be a safety issue. So that's what we always uh, try to do anyways. So. Well, it's, it's awkward, isn't it? Like when, <laughs> when, when a customer is like just waiting, and you know the job's going to take two hours, and – the tech knows it and the tech knows that the customers, I, I always remember if you're doing an alignment, this is back when we didn't have a very nice alignment machine, but you would have like a rusty tie rod end that you're trying to bust loose and the customer's <laughs> like walking by the, the garage door on the outside. The old alignment machine used to be right next to the, the bay door there. Yep. And it would drive me nuts when the customer is walking back and forth and then they wait, walk into my stall and they, you know, you're like, just get out of here. I can't, <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't deal with this pressure right now. But, yeah. um, but uh, yeah, I think that's, I genuinely think in talking to shops that there's going to be a, a major shift in the way that shops interact with customers in general. I, I think a lot of it's going to be good. And I think this is a great opportunity to learn about your customer, learn what they want and how they want it. I think it's a everybody wants everything now type thing. So I, I genuinely, I don't like to go sit in a showroom or in a, in any, I don't know, in any waiting room. If I go to the doctor's office and I have to wait in the, in the waiting room, it drives me right. nuts. So I, Especially because uh, you're sitting there for a half hour before they even see you. So Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because they're never on time. But do you see any, I guess evolution that we can learn out of this? Or is there any pieces of the process in terms of customer intake, how you how you do business in general that is going to change as a result of this? Or do you see any opportunities to get better off of this? Um, the only thing that I think is um, that we can maybe grow from this is we actually added uh, just yesterday um, a text to pay feature um, nice. or pay via text. Not that I want to cut down on, you know, person-person interaction, but when you think of it in the customer's eyes, it's all about convenience. I yep. mean, you, you need your vehicle to get to work or wherever you need to be. And how often, I mean, everybody's guilty of it. Your phone rings, you ignore it. The text message, yep. you answer it. It's just quick. It's simple. So having the, those added features is huge. Um, it helps us keep things moving quicker. And it's just less uh, less stress on the customer to have to try to make a phone call or come in. So, so how how many payment options does a customer have? Is it is it typically they either pay at the counter with a credit card or check or cash, or they go and pay via phone? Do you have an online ability for somebody to pay online, or is it just strictly the text right now? So yeah, in store, um, like you mentioned, the uh, three options there. Otherwise, we always used to do over the phone, you know, voice uh, with yep. the credit card number. Um, and now we have the texting feature. Um, nothing on our website or anything yet. We've been looking into that, but as of now, no. That's I, I, you think about it, and I think you you hit it on the head when you think about it from a customer's perspective. I'm guilty of this as much as anybody is. If, if there's a a service that I need done. I would much rather not talk to that person. And it's no offense to the person that I'm doing business with. It's just that I've got a busy schedule. I'm running a lot. And it's it's hard for me to just to sit down and, and chat with somebody. And as you know, if I sit down and chat with somebody, I'm probably going to be there for a while. So it's uh, I try to keep myself out of those situations if I can. So then I just shut the hell up. 
<laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so what do you see kind of moving forward? How does the schedule look? Uh, like, are you booked out at all? Have, uh, are you starting to see maybe some of those people getting a little bit more acclimated to this new climate? Uh, what, what are you seeing from the customers? So schedule-wise, we are not booked up solid by all means. We do have you know enough stuff on the schedule that we're not worried at this point. The customers, I think, are still worried for the most part. Um, I really do, the way that the media is portraying everything. And, and I'm not saying to not be worried, but um, right. it's just to each their own in this situation. I think we have yet to see the worst of it still. And that's kind of the, the scary, the unknown. But we're just going to continue kind of what we've been doing. Um, we've been doing a lot of social media and the texting just to kind of, you know, reiterate that we are here and picking up, drop off. I mean, we did a pickup the other day that the customer lived uh, 26 miles away. He's a customer and he wanted his car service, so we went and got it. <laughs> That's cool though. And I, I think it's it speaks a lot to what you've done on social media in, in terms of if, for our listeners, if you, if you go to Facebook and, and look up Dan's Auto Center. And Center is, I, I still don't know quite why it's spelled C-E-N-T-R-E. Uh, it's more of a Canadian version, I think, of, of Center. But I think we did it uh, when the shop started just to differentiate it because there was quite a few other just regular Dan's Auto Centers. So you're trying to do something different. Correct. But the, the Facebook page that you guys have and the content that you put out there and through Instagram I would say is as impressive as any other independent shop that I see out there. And, and frankly, probably challenges a lot of dealerships in terms of what they put out because a lot of it is from a dealership aspect, maybe a little bit more corporatized and not, not true like organic uh, material where you're taking pictures and you're doing some cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem I see um, with all of the places around here. Um, Not to, I'm not pointing anybody out, but it seems like a lot of people pay for a service uh, to have, you know, them posting for their social media. And that's not, uh, that's not how you engage with your customers. No. Um, so yeah, like you said, the raw organic stuff, it's physical pictures from our shop. It's what's happening here. Um, you know, trying to get the, the needed information out there. And, you know, you obviously you got to throw out some funny stuff here and there. So yeah. You're, and you guys do a really good job at that. I think showing the sense of humor of, uh, you know, I, it shows some level of personality and it shows that you're real people rather than just, a, you know, kind of a corporate robot. Right. Yeah. I love it. Uh, what about uh, techs moving forward? Uh, how, how do you view, you just added a really, really good tech, uh, an A-level kind of superstar down there, which is really cool. Yes. Uh, how, how do you handle schedules going into this? Because that is something that you and I talked about before about, Hey, you know what? I put a lot of effort into recruiting this person over, uh, and and knowing that I want that person, he's really, really good, and he could have an impact on our shop. And saying, you know, we've always had work, we've always had, uh, we've always been busy, and then coronavirus hits, right? And, and it slows things down. How how do you handle that? How do you handle that communication? I think from the from the standpoint of the techs out there that have made similar moves, they probably understand what's going on, but. How do you manage through that? How do you handle that? Yeah, so fortunately, um, he has a great head on his shoulders and understands the situation. I also am very fortunate that uh, one of our technicians is um, very 
flexible um, when it comes to working. So on the couple days here over the last couple of weeks, we haven't had enough to do for all three guys. And he's uh, opted to go home, just no pay, no vacation, no nothing. It's just his choice. And, and that helps us having that flexibility so that I can make sure that the new technician, for example, stays busy all day. It that's good. That's good. And it, it, it is some level of adjustment, right? Like of, of adapting to what the, the surroundings are right now and, and just managing. I, I'm assuming, are you, are you managing off of a schedule? So knowing like, okay, I've got this many time slots filled. I, this is the amount of work that I'm going to need from the techs. I think you're probably lucky in regard that your flexible employee doesn't live that far from work. So that right. makes it a little bit easier to manage on the fly. But is it, uh, if, if you don't have anything on the schedule for tomorrow, what is your strategy? Uh, like completely empty type of thing? Yeah, I, and maybe say you got a couple of oil changes or something like that. I, I, I honestly don't think it um, will ever get that bad because okay. I, can see, I can see that. Uh, our service advisor, Seth, is very good at seeing that too. So, like, you know, if it was 10 o'clock this morning um, and we see nothing on tomorrow, we're going to be in panic mode at that point. And we're going to be doing those follow-up phone calls or text messages to people that we've seen in the last week with recommendations that they did not do, um, saying, hey, tomorrow would be a good time and kind of pushing for those appointments. Are you, are you seeing, are they receptive to the call? So uh, yeah. we d honestly don't do a lot of the phone call side of it. I okay. know we should probably be better at that, but um, the texting and emailing is just so much easier. Um, yeah. And Response quicker. rates better too. It, it is. So it's hard to read people's uh, emotions that way, you know, via text, if you will. But um, overall, uh, like I said, when we sent out that slow blast there last week, um, people were overly uh, responsive to it. Uh, it was just the fact of just doing it. So yeah, we've been fortunate enough to kind of keep on day by day, keep it going. So, so I, I guess the last question for coronavirus related things, do you see any worry in the, in the techs in the shop or uh, any kind of concern or are they pretty comfortable with where they're at right now knowing that, hey, we're just all trying to work through this thing? Well, originally uh, there was some you know, whispers, if you will. You could, you could tell that there was some tension uh, between a, a couple of the guys. And uh, so we held a meeting uh, just uh, real quick kind of debriefing on the situation, what our plans were to stay open. If they chose to want to go home, that we weren't going to hold it against them or anything. They didn't have to be here. Um, they all chose to stay. We've obviously upped our cleaning and disinfecting protocols through the roof, yeah. um, which is something to add on to. And the added expenses on the shop to, to be doing all the cleaning. I mean, granted, a, a can of Lysol or, is not the end of the world, but when you start doing every single car, every yeah. door handle, steering wheel, gear shifter, keys, you know, seatbelts. I mean, everything that you touch when you get in the car, it's unreal. And not alone just the waiting room area. And so we're going through product for that extremely fast. Well, but what I love what you guys are doing with that, though, is – is you're really showcasing that on social media, right? Like you're, you're showing yep. Yep. Uh, you cleaning and doing kind of fun things that are revolving around showing that you've, you've got a clean area and you've got a clean space. I, I think I would highly recommend that to any shop out there to, to really, you're doing it anyways. Uh, you're trying to keep all of your customers and your employees healthy 
and you're going the extra mile, why not showcase that so people feel comfortable coming in? Exactly. And uh, we've already discussed this too, but um, from I'd say from this day going forward, even once this scare is over, uh, we're probably going to, or I shouldn't say probably, we are going to continue to clean the like, keys and steering wheels, um, especially in the flu-like seasons, you know, the winter time. It's, uh, you, you think about it, how uh, driving down the road and you happen to sneeze or cough, I mean, are you truly covering your mouth every right. time? Um, right. And if you are, is it in your hand, then you touch your steering wheel or keys and then what do we touch? So... Yeah, um, trying to keep everybody healthy, obviously. Well, it's funny. I did a I did a podcast previously about coronavirus, and that was one of the things that we talked about was, is this this new level of cleaning and this new level of you know when you have your showrooms and your waiting areas, why not try to put practice, best practices in place right now that keep that that way even after the fact? Because I think from the standpoint of working on cars or working on anything for that matter, that's got grease and has oil. Uh, the perception is you're dirty, right? Or that you're a, it's a dirty job, a dirty area. And I think to the outside public that can sometimes make them a little bit uncomfortable when they come into a shop. I think if we step up our efforts on the cleaning uh, as we're doing right now, one, you prove that it can be done. You can have a clean shop, but mm -hmm. two, you know, there's probably some opportunity to keep carrying this forward. And I love that you're thinking that way because I think that's a, that's a really, really important piece as we move forward. Why not take that extra step and really kind of treat it like your Taj Mahal, you know? Right. It's not just about the care. It's about prevention of this and, and others. Um, yeah. And, and you know me enough, but I have a little OCD, which a is, little? uh, <laughs> so the shop itself is never dirty either. Uh, I hate that image of a dirty shop. Um, like you mentioned, I want the customers, if they see the shop, to see that you could eat off of it if you had to. Yeah. Keeping that clean look is the ideal situation. So. Yeah, and you guys, you you do a really really good job at it. So. I, uh, I'm looking forward to having you on the podcast again uh, and maybe not have it be so much uh, coronavirus related, but maybe dive into some best practices. You and I talked a lot kind of offline about some of this stuff, and I think it's cool conversation to kind of bring to the forefront and, and really kind of show some behind the scenes of maybe some stuff or conversations that we have uh, that others could maybe learn from too. I think it's the, the progression that you've made over you know the, your, your career at Dan's Auto Center has been extremely impressive. You've done a wonderful job. And, uh, and so we got to get you back on and uh, pick your brain again after this. Yeah, definitely. And then lastly, last thing, uh, my business partner, Mark, had recommended that I have my dad on the podcast. Do you think that's a, a good <laughs> idea or a terrible idea? Uh, that is, uh, that'd be one for the record books. <laughs> I, I don't know if we could air like half of the stuff we'd probably talk about, but it might be uh, the most, uh, shared or most viral podcast to date. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even want to know, uh, how that would, how that would go, but, uh, uh, but it, uh, it should be a lot of fun. So thanks for taking some time today, Josh. I, I really appreciate it and, uh, and hope to have you back on again here soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.